The Resurrection, Ancient and Future Hope by Pastor Reed Benson Have you ever thought about what the doctrine of resurrection truly means? Can you imagine it happening? Think of it. A dead person you know and deeply miss comes back to life again. No, not in a creepy way like Dracula, Frankenstein, or a zombie, but truly alive in a full and normal sense. Visualize a loved one, perhaps your wife, your mother, or your young child actually living again as fresh and healthy as they were before the crisis that took them away. You see, the resurrection of the dead as a biblical concept is all about life and living. It is your loved one breathing, laughing, and chatting with all the people who were valuable to you. An example of what this means to us is described in the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11. Let's recall the basic facts. Lazarus, a young man who is a close friend of Jesus and beloved brother to Mary and Martha, died of a sudden and premature illness. Then, after he had been mourned and buried, Jesus came and called him forth from his tomb. Lazarus, the same young fellow as before, not some ghoulish caricature, was alive and healthy, ready to live, eat, work, talk, sing, play, and do all the things that any healthy young man would do. To build a Christian eschatology, it is paramount to give a key role to the doctrine of the resurrection of the body. Without the resurrection, all other end-time events have little meaning. Theologically, the resurrection of the body is an ancient Hebrew teaching. Its eschatological implications are dependent upon its historic validity as the culmination of redemption for all men since Adam. Many critics claim the resurrection is a rather recent doctrine, having developed in the New Testament era. However, by undercutting its historic depth and confining the doctrine to the New Testament, skeptics are able to emasculate it so that its future relevance is lost. After all, if it were not true from the beginning, why would it be true now? Therefore, a defense of the resurrection of the body as an Old Testament concept of eternal life builds the platform that allows its course to be traced through history to its future fulfillment. Only the most jaundiced of Bible students will reject the historicity of the resurrection of the body. For the origins of this teaching are rooted in Scripture. It is a uniquely Hebrew concept of eternal life. And the Hebrew culture was the only ancient culture to embrace such a philosophy. The Old Testament prophets taught this doctrine most clearly and forcefully. Let's consider Isaiah chapter 26, verse 19, which states, Thy dead men shall live, together with my body shall they arise. Awake, and sing, ye that dwell in dust. For thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. This plain language demonstrates the belief in a bodily resurrection of the dead as a remarkable future event. Elsewhere, Isaiah writes, He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord will wipe away tears from off all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth, 
for the Lord hath spoken it. From Isaiah chapter 25, verse 8. The curse of death as the penalty for sin will be reversed when the elect of the Father will be raised to everlasting glory. The prophet Daniel corroborated this. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. From Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. Now, here is something interesting that is often overlooked and not necessarily a happy thought. From this passage, we glean that the resurrection is not simply for the righteous, but also for the wicked. In the time of the general resurrection, the wicked will be brought forth from the earth. But rather than receiving the glory and joy of everlasting life, they will be cast into the fire of Gehenna. Look to Revelation chapter 20, verses 13 through 15. Now, that is a sobering thought. The wicked will also be brought to life for the single purpose of their everlasting punishment. Yet, most of the passages of Scripture that teach the resurrection of the dead do so with an emphasis on the positive, with a thrust that tells us of the good things that await the righteous. Hosea, a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel, also bore witness to the resurrection when he prophesied thusly, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be thy plagues. O grave, I will be thy destruction. Repentance shall be hid from mine eyes. From Hosea chapter 13, verse 14. The above passages build the context to properly understand the classic prophetic utterance concerning the future resurrection of the house of Israel. The 37th chapter of Ezekiel, being unable to identify physical Israel in the earth, has forced theologians to spiritualize this plainly worded chapter so that spiritual Israel can participate in this glorious future event. In doing so, they remove the heart of the message, leaving shallow fancies in the place of tangible realities. Observe the following verses from the renowned chapter. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, Thou knowest, thus saith the Lord unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy, prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. From Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 12. Without denigrating the spiritual aspect of this passage, concerning needed spiritual revival among Israel, this passage primarily deals with the concrete reality of bodily resurrection. The bones will have flesh, not blood, and sinews wrapped around them. 
such are not merely spiritual bones and sinews. Similarly, the graves that will be opened are the actual resting places for the bodies of long-dead Israelites of many generations. The timing of this event is immediately preceding the regathering of Israel to their original homeland. Restoration of the kingdom to Israel is predicted on the resurrection of the flesh bodies of redeemed Israel at the return of Christ to earth. Many a Bible critic has attempted to discredit the doctrine of the resurrection of the body by claiming that this teaching was borrowed from the Persians during the Babylonian exile of about 586 BC. This is patently untrue, and there exist sufficient Old Testament references that predate the exile to prove such a claim to be false. From Psalm 71 verse 20, dated approximately 1000 BC, reads, Thou which hast showed me great and sore troubles shalt quicken me again, and shalt bring me up again from the depths of the earth. Another psalm from the same period of history declares, Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. From Psalm 16, verse 9. Perhaps the most well-known passages concerning the resurrection of the body are found in Job. Scholars generally agree that the book of Job is one of the older books in the Bible. Job himself being a contemporary to the patriarchs, Job gave a hint, or being bodily resurrected when he stated, in Job 14, verse 14, If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. The change that was to be expected was the res resurrection of the flesh in a glorified body. Later in his discourse, Job made his famous utterance, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter days upon the earth. And though, after my skin, worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. From Job 19, verse 25 and 26. Not only does this passage show the historic validity of the doctrines of the resurrection, but also it plainly associates it with the latter-day event of the coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. Here we can see one of the reasons to look forward to the return of Jesus Christ. That moment in time when the dead in Christ will be raised again to newness of life. Imagine what that might be like. Jesus appears in glory in the sky, and in some miraculous manner, everyone on earth is able to see him. And then, in every cemetery around the world where Christian people have been buried, including the one near you, where your family members lie under the soil, they all somehow arise from their graves alive and in excellent health. They commence talking to each other as if they were simply waking from a long sleep at a slumber party. Yes, this may be hard to wrap our minds around, yet that is what the Bible teaches regarding this doctrine. Some claim that the Old Testament patriarchal concept of eternal life was not in the resurrection of the body, but through the continuum of life in one's descendants. While we have already disproved this with the clear remarks of Job, other biblical passages also discredit such falsehoods. One such example is found in Matthew chapter 22, when the Sadducees attempted to trap Jesus Christ concerning the resurrection of the body. In defense of this teaching, 
Christ proved that the doctrine was implied by God's statement to Moses on Mount Sinai. Note Christ's words. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, have ye not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. From Matthew 22, verse 31 through 32. This direct quotation of Exodus 3, verse 6, is powerful evidence of the patriarchal belief in the resurrection of the body. When Jehovah uttered this passage to Moses, the patriarchs had been long dead. Yet, Christ described Jehovah to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in a living condition. Christ framed his comments in the context of Sadducee disbelief by making it clear that the patriarchs will have life through the resurrection. Elsewhere in the New Testament, St. Paul intimated that the patriarchs looked forward to the resurrection of the dead. Referring to the sacrifice of Isaac, Paul wrote this, Accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. From Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19. God had promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. Abraham's faith that God's word was not going to be voided through the sacrifice of Isaac was rooted in his belief in a bodily resurrection. He fully expected Isaac to be raised from the dead as a prototype of the future resurrection. It is therefore clear that the Old Testament patriarchs had a strong belief in the future resurrection of the body as the means of eternal life long before the exile. The doctrine of the resurrection is unique to the Hebrew culture. No other ancient culture had such a view of eternal life, and many were extremely hostile to the concept. As we move forward chronologically into the New Testament area, the Hellenic culture of the Mediterranean world reacted severely to this teaching as it was spread by the early apostles. Paul was openly scorned when he taught the resurrection in the city of Athens, as recorded in Acts. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. From Acts chapter 17 verse 32. It is also evident that some within the church of Corinth did not accept this doctrine, for Paul makes this a high-profile issue in his first letter to the Corinthian church. From 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 12, Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Paul's masterful defense of this concept in the verses that follow emphasizes the centrality of the resurrection to the Christian faith. Still, other heretics found it easier to twist the teaching to suit their own agenda, rather than deny it outright. Two such men were Hymenaeus and Philetus, mentioned in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. They taught that the resurrection was an act of past history, that it had already occurred. Teaching this heresy they achieved primarily by spiritualizing the concept, making the resurrection a mere spiritual event. This dovetailed nicely with the Hellenistic world and gave impetus to the rise of the Gnostics, a sect that regarded the matter as inherently evil. Of course, these notions are absolutely false and unbiblical.
As a doctrine, the roots of resurrection of the body are embedded in scripture and the Hebrew culture. That is quite a foundation. The concept of eternal life of the ancient patriarchs was identical to that of the early Christians. As we build our eschatological framework, it is clear that their past hope is still the anticipation of our generation. The resurrection is the pivotal event that will usher in the regathering of Israel, the restoration of the kingdom of Christ, and the consummation of the ages.